So today is part 10 of our sermon series throughout this school year, The Story, looking at our shared human experience, the grand epic that we are living inside of. Today we come up all the way through the topic chosen, looking at the story of Isaac, and there you see where we'll be headed through the rest of the school year. And you know that we begin each sermon with a bit of an interview with the same ten questions of a particular human being, and in doing so, I think that we've been able to think a little bit more deeply about our human story, not only in the um, sweep together, but also in some of the particular ways that we look at life. And so, I'd like to invite Evelyn Bergman forward. She has agreed to participate on this last Sabbath before Christmas. Welcome. Thank you. Are you ready? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you, you said that with some fear, as if I would slip in a trick question or something. I'd rather be asking you the questions. Oh, well. <laughs> question number one. What sound or noise do you love? I love to hear my children and grandchildren coming in the door saying, we're here, Oma. What sound or noise do you hate? The sound of an impact after screeching tires. When friends visit from out of town, where do you take them to eat and why? Well, beyond my own home, I take them to um, something Mexican because everybody can find things to eat there. If you inherited a large sum of money, what would be your first investment or purchase? I would buy some tickets so I could go on mission trips, and then I would buy an extra-large refrigerator for the church kitchen. <laughs> Others share that passion, I see. What quality do you appreciate most in people? Generous spirit, generosity, just like you were talking about a few minutes ago hmm. to re reach our goals hmm. for the church. Oh. If you were a person in Scripture, who would you be? Well, I'm afraid I'm a Martha, but I would rather be a Mary. <laughs> who is your least favorite person in Scripture other than the devil? Pharaoh, Herod, because they killed children. What energizes you? The logistics of planning to feed a crowd. <laughs> Which goes with the refrigerator. It uh, does. Yes, indeed. <laughs> what makes you cry? The anxiety of children whose homes are breaking up. And finally, Evelyn, what do you hope to hear God say to you when you arrive in heaven? Hurry, there's a family reunion at your place, and they're all there. Thank you very, very much. Let's thank Evelyn this morning for her participation. I think there must be something wrong with me. 
These words, the opening line of Charles Schultz, Charlie Brown Christmas, I think there must be something wrong with me. From the lips of Charlie to the ears of Linus. Charlie is sad even though it's Christmas time. Something is off. In fact, his selection of a Christmas tree illustrates his internal place. Kind of sad. Charlie is sad at Christmas. And perhaps some of us in this room could identify with all of the joy around, but yet inside pieces of brokenness. Perhaps we are physically diseased. Perhaps we endure relational separation. Or maybe it's simply our analysis of the world that we live in. And yes, we wish to be joyful this Christmas, but a part of us, like Charlie, we just seem off. And so for a few moments this day, I would like to encourage, if I might, Charlie and the rest of us in this room along the way. I wish to do so through the telling of an ancient story, that of Isaac in the Old Testament. It's a story of grace at every turn. It is the gospel that speaks with such clarity. In the process of telling the story, I also wish to bring some of these important things to light through the use of poems, which you will hear in just a moment. Four acts in the story of Isaac. Act one, Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Act two, God will provide a lamb. Act number three, so she became his wife and he loved her. And act four, I will bless you. Act number one, Sarah, your wife will have a son. For 10 chapters in the book of Genesis, covering 25 years, that's a quarter century, we have anticipation. You remember that God has come to Abraham and Sarah saying, you will have a son, you shall have a boy, it will be a miracle. But then time goes on. The story twists and turns, but we, the readers of the story, are filled up with this anticipation, wondering, when will this baby arrive? Twenty-five years. Isaac must have looked back on this story, knowing that so many years had gone by, not only his mama and papa awaiting his arrival, but also God in heaven proclaiming it to be true. How encouraging for him, your birth, chosen, special, unique. So when were you born, and where did it take place? I submit this morning that we learn in Ephesians, for God had you in his heart and in his mind before the creation of the world. When were you born? A long time ago. Where is your place of birth? Right there in the heart 
and in the mind of God. Oh, what joy, what grace that God thinks of humanity in this way. Human beings who've never tasted death, those who've lived many years, those but a few years. And I would argue even those human beings who've never seen the light of day. God has chosen all of us long ago in His very being. We ought to contemplate these deep things more often, I suspect, but we're so busy accomplishing things, moving here and there. It's a struggle, isn't it, to think in these deep ways? I think this challenge is beautifully articulated by Robert Frost in his famous poem, Stopping by Woods on a Snowy Evening. He writes, Whose woods these are, I think, I know. His house is in the village, though. He will not see me stopping here to watch his woods fill up with snow. My little horse must think it queer to stop without a farmhouse near between the woods and frozen lake, the darkest evening of the year. He gives his harness bells a shake to ask if there is some mistake. The only other sounds the sweep of easy wind and downy flake. The woods are lovely, dark, and deep. But I have promises to keep and miles to go before I sleep and miles to go before I sleep. Frost captures our challenge as human beings, doesn't he? We have so many miles to go, so much to accomplish, always living in the present moment, and we forget to look deep into the woods of our past, dark and lovely, that tell us this story of grace, your presence in this world, a gift, you and I chosen by God before anything was made. Oh, perhaps Isaac found encouragement through this first act in his story, and maybe we shall as well. Act two, God will provide a lamb. A strange and even troubling story, isn't it? Isaac finds himself laying down on an altar on top of a mountain. His father with knife in hand, ready to strike. When all of a sudden, Isaac hears a voice from heaven. Abraham put down that knife. Do not take your son's life, for I have provided a lamb. Isaac experiences the story of Jesus that will come much later. The knife of Satan held over every one of us. If you're not perfect, you will never get to heaven. If you don't do things right, you are not the beloved of God. Oh, I think we each have someone or something holding a knife over us. But God says, enough. Satan, you take away that knife. 
for I am sending a lamb. And it is by his sacrifice that we get to get up from that altar and we are reborn. Think of what that must have done for Isaac, this grace. To hear those sweet words from heaven, you are free. This is what your heavenly Father thinks of you. The story of Jesus. It brings us into the light. I love the words of William Blake in Cradle Song. Sleep, sleep, beauty bright. Dreaming in the joys of night. Sleep, sleep, in thy sleep. Little sorrows sit and weep. Sweet babe, in thy face, soft desires I can trace. Secret joys and secret smiles, little pretty infant wiles. As thy softest limbs I feel, smiles as of the morning steel, o'er thy cheek and o'er thy breast where thy little heart doth rest. Oh, the cunning wiles that creep in thy little heart asleep when thy little heart doth wake, then the dreadful night shall break. Jesus, ending the dark night of this world. Grace. First, we are encouraged by the knowledge that God has chosen us since eternity. Second, in this story of Isaac, we are encouraged, for we find Jesus. We find the Lamb, and we know rebirth. Act 3, so she shall become his wife, and he loved her. Even in courtship, Isaac finds grace. It seems that he is discouraged, depressed, demoralized after the death of his mother. And so his father sends the most trusted servant to do the courting for his son. On a journey he goes and finds the one, a companion, Rebecca, full of hospitality and generosity. He presents her not with one wedding ring, but read the story with three. She agrees to come back, to become the wife of Isaac, to be a companion, and she warms his soul. This first grace, this act is not of God, but rather what we do for one another. The encouragement we bring as human beings, not only in the marriage relationship, but also in the variety of human friendships we enjoy. Together, we serve. Together, we love. Each of us ensuring that no one eats alone, no one lives truly alone. It is the work that we give to one another, this grace of belonging, encouragement it is. And how important. I think we discover it in the poignant words of Maya Angelou's alone, lying, thinking, last night, how to find my soul a home, where water is not thirsty and bread loaf is not stone, 
I came up with one thing, and I don't believe I'm wrong, that nobody, but nobody, can make it out here alone. Alone, all alone, nobody, but nobody can make it out here alone. There are some millionaires with money they can't use. Their wives run around like banshees. Their children sing the blues. They've got expensive doctors to cure their hearts of stone. But nobody, no, nobody can make it out here alone. Alone, all alone, nobody, but nobody can make it out here alone. Now, if you listen closely, I'll tell you what I know. Storm clouds are gathering. The wind is going to blow. The race of man is suffering, and I can hear the moan because nobody but nobody can make it out here alone. Alone, all alone, nobody but nobody can make it out here alone. Isaac receives the grace first of a birth gifted long before human conception. He then is given the grace of that lamb, yes, Jesus, who gives him new life. And now the gift of human companionship, the responsibility that each of us has to one another that we might provide encouragement not only in this but every season. Act for I will bless you. The second half of the book of Genesis. Isaac is now an old man, blind, in the final days of life. But the back half of this first book of the Bible is all about the children and grandchildren of Isaac. It's about life that goes on after Isaac passes from the earth. It's about life after death. I submit to you it's a bit of prophecy to the resurrection, where in Jesus we have this hope, hope built on a robust framework, hope that we shall have life even after death, hope in a future, hope in days to come, hope so critical. Robert Louis Stevenson personifies the importance of hope in the final days of our lives. Since thou hast given me this good hope, O God, that while my footsteps tread the flowery sod, and the great woods embower me, and white dawn and purple even sweetly lead me on, from day to day and night to night, O God, my life shall nowise miss the light of love, but ever climbing climb above. Man's one poor star, man's supine lands into the azure steadfastness of death. My life shall nowise lack the light of love. My hands not lack the loving touch of hands. But day by day, while yet I draw my breath, and day by day until my last of years, I shall be one that has a perfect friend, referring to hope. Her heart shall taste my laughter and my tears, and her kind eyes shall lead me to the end. The kind eyes of hope, the resurrection. Isaac is encouraged 
with these four graces, four acts. First, Sarah, your wife, will have a son. He was chosen before he was even born, and the same is true of you and me. Act two, God will provide a lamb, Jesus, who removes the effect of sin and the accusation of Satan. The knife is put away. Act 3, so she became his wife and he loved her. This, the grace we extend through fellowship and community. And finally, in Act 4, I will bless you with life that goes even beyond the life you have in this world. Resurrection. Encouragement. I think there must be something wrong with me. From the lips of Charlie to the ears of Linus, something is broken. But it's Linus. Yes, you know the story. It is Linus who plays the pastoral role. Linus and his blanket. And how does he minister to his broken friend? Do you remember? First, not through reading, but rather reciting Luke, the story of Jesus. And after retelling that story, the impact, Linus, gathers the other Peanuts characters together. And they transform that little tree, don't they? And they transform their friend, Charlie, and they sing, for it's a whole new day. Oh, but I love this final line, Linus. I never thought it was such a bad little tree. It's not bad at all, really. Maybe it just needs a little love. My brothers and sisters, Maybe we're not such bad little trees. Maybe we just need a little love. The love of the Father and of Jesus and His Spirit and the affection of one another. May it be so.